Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the Game & Work podcast, where gaming meets humanity. As usual, I'm your host, Jay Rooney, and boy, do I have an awesome episode for you today. My guest this week is Benjamin the Dream Wizard, podcaster, magician, dream interpreter extraordinaire, and of course, big-time gamer. Benjamin the Dream Wizard is a psychological professional with over 20 years' experience in mental health, offering eclectic dream analysis, editing historical dream literature, and occasionally playing video games, all of which we talk about in this week's episode. So, get ready. But before we proceed, I would like to thank Game Awards paid subscribers for making this episode possible and especially to our wonderful founding members. They are Letakas from Luzerne, Switzerland, member since April 14, 2022. LAF from San Diego, California, member since April 24, 2022. Alexi F. from Chicago, Illinois, member since May 13, 2022. Elvira O. from Mexico City, Mexico, member since May 18, 2022. And John H. from Doral, Florida, members since March 3rd, 2023. All right, then, let's get started with this week's episode of Game & Word Podcast featuring Benjamin the Dream Wizard. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then and enjoy the show. What are these books that I see in front of you? So these are my works of historical dream literature. I've always had a, in my estimation, a talent for dream interpretation, but I needed to get the education. What I did was I started looking at, you know, what do you do when you're a, a wizard specifically or a scholar in general? You go to what other people have written over time so you don't reinvent the wheel. So I started looking at these and I was like, these are all old and out of print, and most people have never heard of them, let alone read them. So I should, as I'm really big into maximizing efficiency in a lot of ways, it's kind of part of who I am. So if I'm going to be reading these, I might as well read them and edit them at the same time and prepare them for publication and get a bunch of works out there. And there's a dual purpose on that. Of course, my education, the audience's edification and uh, make a buck or two to support myself because, you know, you, uh, Wizards got to eat as well. So that's yeah. long and, and um, short of where these came from. Uh, but also I want to give a shout out to uh, a fellow by the name of Sticks Hexit who inspired me to do this. Uh, he has been editing and publishing works. He's got some 400 books out there, makes his primary living on that, I believe. And uh, out of respect for him, I decided you know, I'm going to avoid the more esoteric or o occult works because that's his specialty. I don't want to say, hey, thanks for inspiring me. I'm going to steal your gig. Uh, but I wanted to right. do, he showed me that it was possible to do this. And then it just takes work. And so I've got a stack of all 15 books here, working on book 16 and the uh, concurrent audiobook release, which is th the final step of my editing process. And I read the book three or four times as I'm going through it. Highly footnoted, annotated bibliographies. Well, not bibliographies, some of them do, but indexes. So you can look up terms in, in most of the works. And, but then I record or try to record uh, for every book an audiobook version free on uh, YouTube, 
because reading it out loud, really, you find that commas in the wrong place. I yes. didn't punctuate that sentence correctly at all. That sentence doesn't make sense. What was I thinking? Yep. I probably had too much coffee. You're going to ask me questions. I'm just going to ramble. So this oh, is, this no, is book no 15, worries. working on book 16. <laughs> no worries. That is exactly the way it should be. My, right? my job is to stay out of your way, basically. But yeah, that is an impressive stack of books. And for our audio listeners, it is a big stack of books. You say we're <laughs> 16 at all? Being on book 16, uh, what I call the Augury Bibliomancy and Chaos series. And that's also uh, the title of a uh, one of the playlists of videos I release and uh, on YouTube. And in the beginning, it was meant to be, and it still is, but talking about the psychological and historical context of dream interpretation and different things like that. And I become a clips channel where I take something I think was interesting and relevant from the most recent episode and put it up there. I was going somewhere with that. Oh yeah, I was going to tell you why. Augury, reading signs and way back in the day, say in, in the Greek and Roman times, they would augur from rainfall and clouds. They would augur from flights of birds, uh, but also they would augur from dreams. They would have dream augurs, dream interpreters. And then bibliomancy, is an interesting term that means specifically the art of flipping to a random page in the Bible and pointing to a passage and using that to make decisions or learn something for the day. In some ways, tell the future. This is what's going to affect me. But for me, it was more the general principle of learning from historical documents, bibliomancy, uh, the right. magic of historical record and passing education in print. Uh, and then chaos is what we all have to deal with. It's the uncontrolled nature of dreams. So we get augury, bibliomancy, and chaos, and I like it because it's the ABCs of dream interpretation. Yeah, that said, oh, and then the, you mentioned the, the stack being so tall. There are, and I can show you guys, this is my most recent, so this is backwards, but it is The World of Dreams, book 15, and it's not skinny. I mean, it's a good three quarters of an inch. These books are thick. They're packed full of information. They are no PDF scan of these old documents. They are hand edited, every single one of them. I would not feel at all comfortable asking anyone for money for a piece of crap or for a work that I did for work that I wouldn't buy. So I make these up to my standard, which is probably much higher than most. So I would say these are the definitive versions of these works in my own humble estimation. Right. Yes. Yeah. So it's funny. I'm a big fan of Carl Jung and his life's work. And especially I love the word synchronicity. And oh, yeah. I think it's very synchronous that our paths crossed when they did, because as I'm recording this, I am preparing my next, uh, my upcoming volume of Game and Word, which is about magic, mysticism, and mystery in video games. Oh, yeah. So this is <laughs> right on target. That is very cool. That opens a whole door to the idea of, if you're wondering the hell is a dream wizard anyway how do i conceptualize that who do i think i am i actually did a video of that on uh, what i'm calling my incantus phylacterium series uh, it's just incantus words or spoken word magic and the phylactery container the place i keep my words uh, the, so anyway the second episode i did of that is what is a dream wizard and in short i'll tell people i do not believe i have any magic powers i can't conjure fireballs and raise the dead or whatever i'm just a guy doing real psychology but i think there is a magic to it. I think there's more magic in the world than people realize. I've explained this before, but not to your audience, but there's what we would refer to as the pyramid of knowledge and then the all-seeing eye and a Masonic symbol, or even older than that, going back to ancient Egypt. They the, have, eye you know, the, eye of, the eye of Horus, exactly. And a lot of what is magic is it's ritual that focuses the mind, but there's also something very real there. So if you notice the pyramid, 
you have a pyramid of knowledge. You start with foundational stuff. You build upon it a nice stable foundation, as they say. Let's us there's magic in wordplay spells that we spell word. We sit a spell. And so there's magic spells. Is it's very connected to words and how we communicate. There's a magic to communication. I go on for days. But okay, back to the pyramid. You get this pyramid of knowledge, and then there's a gap at the top, and the eye is above that. Now that could symbolize God or higher powers. But it also symbolizes the grasping of a concept. There's a before and after. There's a transformative experience to the idea of you didn't understand something and now you do. And how that actually happens, nobody knows. That is a magic gap right there where inspiration happens, where understanding is grasped, where new things that never existed before are created. And nobody understands it. Psychology can't explain it. The Greeks used to think we had you know, spirits called daimons out there, and it would be, later became demons. The idea of being in, possessed by an idea or a concept. They thought, that's why they thought of the Greek gods as putting the god of war that would put wrath in you and make you want to conquer, and the god of love that inspired these feelings. Humans have always felt like we are controlled by forces outside of ourselves. And that's how we conceptualize a lot of these things. And you see it today too, when people perform invocations, right? That's basically what you're attempting to do. Yeah, absolutely. To bring forth something into the world. And there's a magic to that, that, and I keep using that word because there's no other way to explain it. What was it? Was it Isaac Asimov or one of those uh, famous writers that said, you know, any sufficiently advanced technology appears magic to the uninitiated. Yes, I I believe it was uh, Arthur C. Clarke. There you go. I knew it was one of those good old guys. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny because magic is one of those things that there's, I believe at one time, a bunch of really smart people, really smart scholars, philosophers, people, theologians, all got together and attempted, and wrote this whole book attempting to define magic, right? And basically what the conclusion was, we can't. It's it's one of those things that's always changed. It's heavily context dependent and very much in the eye of the beholder. For sure. And we actually, it just came back to me why, how we got on this tangent, which is, this is exactly how my dream work works. It's chaos, but I'm trying to bring a focus to it and identify things that are tangibly relevant. Synchronicity. Don't let me, don't let me forget that. So there is a, where was I going with that? I am a highly skeptical, rational person. I'm this weird mix of open-minded and impossibly demanding of evidence. So I will talk about anything speculatively. I have a very narrow range of things I can say, this is the way it is for sure. And I can explain it to you. So does that mean the things I can't explain don't exist? No. But can I say they exist for sure? I don't know what they are. No, I'm not going to go there. But my open-mindedness is there's a weird thing happening in the world that, well, there's a lot of weird things, number one. Number two, but I've always been open-minded to the idea of the world being more mysterious and magical than we know, than we understand. And that's the realm of the unknown is a place of pure chaos magic. Anything is possible technically. So again, synchronicity, I'm getting there. I have found many things in life happen in their own time. And this is a philosophy I bring to say scheduling interviews. If it gets canceled, I'm not frustrated. The universe was not ready for us to meet. Fair enough. Now, do I know what that means? Do I know why that happens? No. Is that even true? Hell if I know. But I think, in my estimation, we're probably having a better interview today than we would have had if we'd fought and struggled and frustrated ourselves over making it happen at a specific time. Eh, 
Let it be what it is. Roll with it. You know, I'm very much go with the current. There's very few reasons in life to row against the current. Right. I mostly want to work, I think, in harmony with nature. And synchronicity is one of those things. If I just let things be, synchronicities happen all the time around me. And yes. uh, the more I kind of let go and let be, it, the more they happen. And it's so that's my comment on that. All the way back to the beginning when we were talking about synchronicity. That's so let me ask, how did you first get started down this path towards becoming a dream wizard? Well, this goes back a long ways. I've always been fascinated by dreams since being very young. I'm like, what is this experience? We close our eyes. We live another life. And then we come back and we're living the same life. I'm like, what happened? It's a baseline fascination that I think everybody has. They would like to understand a mysterious phenomenon better. So I was in, um, in college getting my psychology degree, and I was taking a history and systems of psychology course. And the teacher, to give us an understanding, and we finally hit and then the 1900s and Carl Jung and Sigmund Freud kind of revolutionized looking at dreams from a mystical religious perspective to we can explain this physiologically, scientifically, specifically psychologically. And so he said, look, I want you to go home uh, between the Tuesday and Thursday class and just pick a couple of dreams of your own. Talk to friends and family, get them anywhere you can, anyhow you can. And do one in the style of Freud and one in the style of Jung. Show me you understand their basic concepts. We'll move on and do something else next week. So I did. And I actually had two dreams of my own, which is very rare for me. I've got literally, I can count them all on one hand, the dreams I remember in my lifetime well enough to tell a story. I brought them back in. I did my best. And the teacher was like, hey, you nailed it. And I, not to toot my own horn, but he said, I understood the concepts and applied them well to my own dreams, drew out what those people would say. And I was like, Okay. And to me, it just felt effortless. And also some people, they can do that with math. They're like, here's a calculus problem. This one's going to puzzle you. And uh, there's one guy in the class that comes back next time and goes, I did this in five minutes. It's, I, I get it. It's easy for me not to brag. I think that's a natural talent that I was just born with. You know, I don't take a lot of credit for it. There's a, what is it? A lot of athletes will uh, say kneel on the field and point to the sky. Like my athletic ability, I developed it, but I didn't create it. God did or whatever. So I'm comfortable with that language. The powers that be. I was going somewhere with that too. Ah, oh, and then fast forward. Ah, fast forward. <laughs> it's a welcome to the mind of a wizard. Nut, I, I relate it to the um, nutty professor and his flubber. There's a grand tradition of crazy mountain men in their cave and they know weird stuff and they look at the world very differently. And that's me. You got to be, you got to be a little mad. Yeah, genius and madness are two sides of the same coin. There's a very thin line, I think. And it's all in the functionality. Can you get results? If it's pure madness, it doesn't help anybody. And it usually makes things worse. But you got to actually be able to see the world a little differently. Otherwise, everybody would know the things that a wizard knows. But most people are a little more grounded, focused, a little more narrow in their, in what they're doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. It takes all kinds to run the world. If everybody was a wizard, we'd probably be in big trouble. And that doesn't mean a wizard's better than anybody. Different specialty. And for me, I don't claim to be a wizard, a, a mathemagician. My, my father is a mathemagician. I cannot math. I cannot grok it. So we need engineers and we need dream interpreters, I think. Fast forward 20 years later, I get out of college. I spent 20 years in inpatient emergency psychiatrics. So I've seen literally every condition possible, helped people go from the worst moment of their life to, okay, I'm stable. I can take it from here. They go home. Unfortunately, in that business, you have to be a bit of a mental health prison guard. There's people there with extreme psychosis. The doors are locked. Uh, sometimes you got to restrain folks that they think someone's a werewolf and they attack them. And you have to stop that because that's a delusion and we're not letting someone get attacked. 
So you got to put hands on people, not proud of it. Don't defending the innocent. I guess I'm proud of that, but it's a tragedy to have to physically intervene when someone is out of their mind temporarily. Anyway, I, I feel like I paid my dues in that regard. And I said, you know, I, I think it's time for a bit of a change. I'm going to see if I can do something else with the rest of my life. And I launched, launched onto this endeavor. And you know, so far it's growing slowly. They say it takes uh, 10 years to become an overnight success. Uh, I'm right on schedule with that one. <laughs> I've only been doing it. I think I started in 2020. So we're almost three years in at this point. I'm, and I'm proud of the work, but hope, hopefully shows like yours will get me a little bit, a couple more viewers. Yeah. And yeah, I, and I totally relate to that. I started my thing, a similar thing. I've lost a job to COVID and I realized just how burnt out I was on the rat race and the corporate world and everything. And yeah. I'm not exactly old, but I'm not getting any younger either. So I figure life's too short. I might as well do something I enjoy, A, and B, not, and not put myself the mercy of someone else or something else for to eat and to feed my family. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think there's a there's something uniquely special about being, say, responsible to an audience versus a boss or a manager. I mean, there, there's a unique. What am I trying to say? There's a similarity there in terms of there's an end result in terms of you got to turn in a product, but you got one guy telling you to make widgets. You know, I'm doing the best I can, boss. And then you've got other folks who are like, here's what I do. You like it, you don't, and this is who I am. This is what I have to offer. And then you've got to say a thousand, ten thousand, hopefully soon, hundred thousand folks who are like, "That's pretty cool." You know, they don't have to watch every video, but once in a while they come back and go, "What's this mystery?" So that's kind of the focus of the show too. It's wonderful that I can literally talk to anybody because everybody dreams. Not everybody remembers them. Fair enough. Not everybody's comfortable coming on camera. Also, there's a lot of variables, but it is a common human phenomenon. So there's some things where you have a, you, let's say you have a niche and what you talk about is, let's say it's just engineering. Take that. Then you're not talking to maybe bakers and then you're not talking to teachers necessarily unless they're engineering teachers. But I can interview or at least have a conversation for a bit with anybody that has a dream. And so I'm getting exposed to a broad swath of people that do all kinds of interesting things. I've learned probably more than my, uh, than my guests have uh, about their dreams. That's point point one. What was the other point? Uh, oh, oh, and that's what's the craft of making the show is like every dream is a mystery. You've got this image, these symbols, this story, and the mystery is how does it relate to this person's life? What does it mean to them? That's why I, I very much discount, no, no offense to anyone out there who prefers to believe in this, but I very much discount the dream dictionary approach. And I've used this example before, but you're, you dream about gathering seashells at the beach. And some people will say, oh, ocean, beach, seashell. These all mean specific things to everybody. And I say, no, it means something specific to you. And we get into a conversation and it turns out you have a strong memory from childhood of gathering seashells on the beach with your grandfather. And you start thinking about your grandfather and you know what? He gave me a piece of advice that I think is relevant to my life today. Whoa. And you get this moment, you get this thing that kind of goes down your chakra, if you want to call it that. And you feel it and you go, this is what that dream was saying. I need to apply his wisdom to my life in order to solve a problem. And not only do you get an answer for your dream, you get something specifically relevant to you that's going to have hopefully a productive effect in actually making your life better. To give someone that experience, to capture that magic, that moment of 
discovery on camera, to share it with an audience, to give them a mystery to watch being solved. And all these wonderful things come together that just blows my mind, makes me so happy. And And I get tremendous satisfaction out of that. And not only do I get to solve a puzzle and I love it, but I get to give someone something useful. Yeah, yeah. and also there's the also the fact that any creative work, in my view, is inherently a magical act. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's that gap at the top of the pyramid before. And sometimes there's a flame at the top. And a flame is the light of illumination. But flame is also, again, everything I do is heavily metaphorical and iconic. Flame is also representative of transformation. It takes uncooked meat and makes it cooked. It takes, it, it'll, it will distill water through, through an alumbe- alchemy. Alchemy. It, it is the, the iconic symbol of alchemy. There's an alchemical change in a way that happens when we discover a new idea or create something that's never been there before. That is, yeah, it's like you, you can ask anybody, how do you create something new? And they've done it and they can't tell you where that what filled that gap? I don't think anybody can. So we call it magic. <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess we'll just let the mystery be, right? I almost hope we never solve it in a way. And I don't think we can. I don't think I have to hope for that. I think there's always right. going to be something unknown and magical about the world that is just beyond our five or six senses, depending on how you conceptualize that. But a lot of people don't know. You know. This is my psychology training. We have a lot more than six senses. We, one of my favorite is called proprioception which is just your sense of your own body in space. It's the reason you can close your eyes and touch your nose. You know where it is relative to your shoulder, your elbow, your finger. And then we also have our sense of balance. There's a lot of different senses we actually have that are beyond the basic five. Although some people would put some of those senses under tactile. Fair enough. It's physically embodied. But this your podcast is specifically about games. I didn't know if you wanted to get into that. If yeah, you had any so, topics in mind for that or pick my mind or I can... yeah, so I, I know you yourself are also a gamer and I was wondering if you had any examples in mind of games that explore the topic of dream specifically, but also if you want to do magic more generally that you would recommend yeah. to my audience. I, off the top of my head, I don't know that I do. There have been some recent examples that were brought to my attention. One of them was the Persona series. Mm. And I don't know if it was just Persona 5 that I was watching someone play. And apparently it's like you go into the dream world to do your work in the game. And I thought that was fascinating. You're getting into people's heads to discover something. And then, of course, that's what the combat and the exploration and different stuff comes from. That's where you progress the game. But that was a fascinating concept. The Persona series is also, it's heavily influenced by, by Carl Jung and... And it's very true to his ideas. I had no idea. That's fantastic. Yeah. I was only kind of half paying attention while I edited books and watching someone else play. Yeah. But in terms of magic, sticking with the dream things, there's, and again, not off the top of my head, but I love that entire genre of playing with your perception of reality. What is real and what is a dream? One, One thing came to mind. It's not exactly a dream, but spoiler alert, skip 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this, but the game Soma that just came out recently and the idea that, you know, what is real? Who is real? Because the main character was uploaded into a, uh, a spaceship and rescued because Earth was going to shit, but it left their physical body and their primary consciousness behind. You know, you wake up not knowing what happened and it plays with your idea of who are you? Where is the real you? Are you the leftover bit? So I like futuristic, near-future, dystopian stuff where it takes current themes and explores them. 
well, what would happen a few years down the road if things keep going the way they are in this respect? And the game is called Remember Me. Well, it's set in a neo-dystopian future France, I think. I mean, the main character wakes up dumped in a, like an open corpse pit and she's not dead, but she has no memory. And so the game is recovering your memory. And again, that they exploring that concept of what is real. And that's, that's the great thing about games is like it can do anything, but also you get these experiences where it's like going to speak to a philosophical theme. Who are you without your memories? I mean, that's a great theme that, that was explored in say Total Recall. The idea that he might've been this assassin, just a real jerk, but you reset his memory if any of that was real. And now he's just a workaday guy who was never a secret spy, but suddenly he's got all these skills he never knew and he's making his way through this thing. And he makes a completely different decision than his old self would have if that self was ever real. And so I'm editing book 16 and he's talking about the idea of our, what, how did he phrase it? So it's, uh, it's guy Horace Hutchinson and uh, the book is Dreams and Their Meanings. And he talks about the idea of dreaming in general. And can you be said to have had a dream if you cannot remember it on awakening? And he said it's the existence of a dream per se is the stability of the self over time. Who are you if you cannot remember what you did yesterday or the day before or any day ever before? The continuity of the self is basically I remember me doing all these things for all this period of time. And all those things add up to who I am today and the choices that I make. Well, then he separates it out this way. Dreams can be described as nothing but the operation of the mind during unconsciousness. We go to sleep, the mind keeps moving, but we would not say I had a dream unless we can remember it. Like last night, no memory at all of my mind operating, although I'm absolutely certain it did. So there's at least that dichotomy there, that idea of a dream is that which we remember having. So if you don't remember it, you technically didn't have a dream, but you did dream. You did have thoughts that crossed your mind, just never near the level of perception, so to speak. In your estimation, and keeping in mind that, you know, I'm not asking you to say this with 100% confidence, but when... You enter the dream world. Is that, in your view, like a, like just a projection of your own mind? Is it an actual separate metaphysical realm or both? What are your thoughts on that? At the end of the day, I would probably say both. Because I allow for all the things I don't understand, what am I able to do with that? I'm able to do the purely physical side. For the most part, if someone comes and tells me they had a prophetic dream or dream they believe tells the future, uh, if they said they had communication with a dead relative, if they said they have knowledge of a concurrent event in the world, I can't personally take that and make it something useful for them. If someone says I had a prophetic dream or they feel like they did, I couldn't tell them whether that is true or not, whether to anticipate those events will happen. So. More than anything, I'm trying to, okay, so what's a wizard? I, Gandalf is a great literary example. Also, Socrates. I think he was one of the OG wizards back in the day. He was the, the crazy guy screaming in public that they put to death. And I'm hoping not to be put to death, but that's me. I'm just the crazy guy screaming at people. But what did he say? He says he must be the wisest man because he knows his damn limits. He knows what he does not know. He does not claim to have knowledge beyond his 
experience or expertise. So that's what I try to do. I'm like, I got to set aside the spooky woo. And I say that lovingly, there's a lot of spooky woo in this world. I don't understand it, but I can't explain it. So I stick to that psychological side. Now that said, if those other things are possible, I think there's probably something unique about the dream state. And we can look at it with brain waves. There's the delta, theta, all that different stuff. You know, the world uh, physics is, is showing us quantum nature of things and strings and entanglements and different stuff. It is entirely possible that we humans are built to have resonance or receptors that pick up things in the world that are happening, that will happen, or spiritual communication with other planes of existence. There's people who take DMT and say they see machine elves or they've seen the future. And I'm like, I think DMT is one of the things that's running through your brain while you're asleep. So there's, there is so much magic. There's an advanced technology to it, a bi biochemical technology that we haven't worked out yet that, you know, maybe 50, 500, 5,000 years from now, we're going to look back at that and go, God, those people didn't know anything. We live entire secondary lives in our dreams. And then we come back and do it again the next day. I think that's entirely possible. We have psychic communication with each other in our dreams, or at least the resonance from two people, however distance, hits some kind of a wavelength in the ether, whatever you want to call it. And we're influencing each other. There are instances of people who say they both dreamed of each other and they both had the same dream. Now, if we assume they're not just lying and they're not literally delusional, they're just reporting the fact this thing happened. I cannot explain that, but I'm willing to say, let's get enough of those together and get some data points and find out what is this. Let's get people in MRI scans. I mean, that's one of the reasons we know dreams happen, whether you're aware of them or not, is that we can show, think of a problem, focus on an emotion functional MRI lights up in different areas of the brain. Here's fear, here's anxiety, here's information processing and planning and strategy. We can put people in MRI machines while they're asleep and look at their brain lighting up all over the place. And we ask them, hey, did you have a dream? And they say, no, not one I can remember. Still brain activity. So there's definitely something happening there. What have you been playing lately? Oh, that was one thing. I'm like, gosh, I don't know what I'm going to talk about with Jay. We'll talk about anything. We had a great conversation when you were on my show and we could just kibitz. But I thought I should talk about my recent game experiences. And I, I probably had two of the worst recently, yeah. unfortunately. Not every game is going to be a winner. You're going to get mm -hmm. recommended something and it's not your style. Or you're going to be excited about something you wanted to play years ago. And finally, you've got a machine you think can run it and then it can't. Like an eight-year-old game, I'm going to get to that, but an eight-year-old game, and I have stuttery frame rate. I had to reduce it to 720p just to get it to run while I'm doing my recording software. Anyway, where was I going with that? Games, enjoying games lately. Yeah, the two I didn't, and some of them are just broken. So I'll give this, so I kind of lost my shit on stream yelling at the game because, and this was, uh, I played Little Nightmares Part 1 from okay. way back, and I loved it. Great game. You're a child in this threatening world, and there's all these giant creatures that look vaguely humanoid, but they're monsters and they want to eat you. And there's very tremendous amount of metaphors in there for the idea of the world consuming children, the possibility and potential of children. Um, Plus it using, has nightmares in the name. This was perfect for me. I'm like, how can I not play this game? Loved it. Loved that game. Great spooky themes. You know, I get really into the game and I'm like way too into it in terms of there were some games I played back in the day where I'm like, can't play them at night, can't play them in the dark. Ah, just way too intense, no like a horrible. 
horrible game anxiety. I really get into it, which is great. Very connected to the game, but man, it's intense. So I get around to playing Little Nightmares 2, and I'm like, this is great. I love it. And then we got to a part in the game where you need to shine a flashlight at these mannequins that chase you and try and strangle you and kill you. And it turns out you just cannot do that with a mouse and keyboard. It is a game purely designed for a gamepad, and I play mouse and keyboard. That's it. That's how I play. I'm not learning anything new. I'm not, I haven't picked up a controller in probably 30 years. Nothing wrong with it, you know, PC Master Race and all that meme, but it's just how I play. I'm an old dog, no new tricks, and I could not get it to work. And so my entire second stream was me literally yelling at the damn game, and I scared my poor dog. And after that, I rage quit that session that night, and I just deleted the game. I said, screw this. I'm not playing this. I'm not doing this to myself. This is physically impossible with the equipment I have. I'm not buying a damn gamepad for this game. And then I ended up deleting those streams because I wasn't proud of my breakdown, public breakdown. Like, I don't want people to look at me, watch me screaming the F word over and over again at the computer. That's It's not my brand, number one. It doesn't represent me well, but also that's just not entertaining. It's, nobody's going to watch that. They're going to feel sorry for me or or like whatever. I'm like, But also I didn't want to promote the game. I'm like, I'm not putting this out there. Then I actually left a bad review and said, this is just unplayable. They told me must have controller or will not be able to finish the game. I wouldn't have bought it. And I actually, for the first time in my life, tried to get a Steam refund. And they're like, well, you already played half the game. Like, wasn't until half the game it was broken. What am I supposed to do? I'm getting worked up about it again. So that was one recent experience. And that was following The Witcher, which I loved The Witcher. That was great. I just wanted to play the storyline. Took me about 70, 80 hours because I do everything extremely slow. And uh, yeah, so did not enjoy Little Nightmares 2. And your results may vary. If you play with a gamepad, hey, it's totally doable. Enjoy. Buy the game. Yeah, it's not whatever. Not for me to say. The most recent game I played also had frustrating elements and that was Dying Light. And I'm a big fan of the uh, zombie survival genre, kind of first-person shooter, if it's made well. And I've got a lot of critique of that game. Number one is that there were just not enough graphics settings options for me to be able to play the game. Everything was a stuttery, low frame rate. And this is me with, uh, it's old and I'm not rich, so I don't have the latest equipment, but I've got a, um, what is it, a core i7 Intel card and a Titan 1080 graphics card. And those were top of the, you know, the video card better that or the, uh, the processors better than it could have been eight, eight cores dual threaded to 16 and the top of the line video card for its day a few years ago. And still the game was unplayable until I dropped it down to 720p. And then I'm like, what am I even broadcasting here? This looks crap. I have to turn off anti-aliasing. It's all stuttery. And anyway, that pissed me off. <clears throat> Number one. And then the actual game mechanics didn't enjoy it at all. It felt like that game was just there to literally frustrate you to do everything possible to make your experience unenjoyable. And I'm like, it's not even a game I want to play. I'm a bit of a completionist. So unless I literally rage quit because something is physically impossible, I can't do it with my hands. I'm going to try and finish the game. So I did finish the game. And and I had to say to folks watching, I can't recommend that you buy this. I hope you enjoyed watching me be frustrated by it, but I would not want anyone else to go through that experience. So. Maybe they fixed a lot of those problems with Dying Light Part 2. I'd love to give it a chance, but honestly, I'm not even streaming this week because those two recent experiences kind of broke my desire to play. I'm just, I'm not playing anything. Someone recommended to me Fallout New Vegas as a good, enjoyable game. And I did. I loaded it and I got the graphics settings down where it's, it's not too ugly. And then I started getting into the game design 
the actual playing of the game. And I did not like how the menus were set up, how the combat worked. It just, you know, and there was no mini map. There was no map at all to tell you where you are. And I'm like, I don't, I can't. The looting was dysfunctional. The menus were dysfunctional. Tracking of where to go and what to do was dysfunctional. I'm not just, I'm just not going to spend that much time drawing, hand drawing my own maps, looking up maps on websites. That is not my idea of a good, fun game. So there's a lot of ways to get me not to play your game. And that's one of them is just to make it a lot more work than it should be to enjoy it. So that was my commentary on the most recent games <laughs> I've tried to play. That's a terrible thing because I like the story of all those games. I did a little bit without spoilers uh, for myself even. I looked into the story of New Vegas and I'm like, that is cool. That's a cool idea. And people say it has a good resolution. It's interesting to watch it develop and be a part of that story. But I just couldn't get into it because uh, bad game design, in my opinion. Your mileage may vary. Yeah, no, ultimately that's what it comes down to. The game can be the most beautiful work of art, the most compelling story, everything. But if it's not fun to play, then it has failed as a game. Yeah. And that's the bottom line. Maybe a great work of art, sure, but not a good game. Yeah, for sure. So there's a one other game I did have that I bought years ago, and I got it on a, it's a Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen. I don't know if you played that or heard of it at all. But what I looked at it was like, I was looking at the time for kind of hack and slash games that had a little bit of skill to the combat and a decent story. And I started recently, now that I'm looking for a new game to play, and I was doing this the other day, I was loading up different stuff and checking it out. I did look at some gameplay reviews and multiple different people said that one, the gameplay is fun. The creature fighting and the strategy and all that stuff, but it's a bit of a boring story. You know, it kind of... It didn't quite get the balance right. I'm like, well, I want a mission I can progress through that tells me a story and gives me fun along the way, puts me in that role of the main character to move the story along. And if there's just no decent story there, I might as well be playing an open world MMO or, or whatever with no story. What are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm killing things and, and getting loot. Why? I don't know. I, what, what is this doing to move the story along? Why do I care about that piece of armor? It's just better than the last one. What am I going to use it for? To get another piece of armor? After a while, I'm just burnt out on that concept. And I want something like, what are the stakes? What am I doing here? What is, yeah. what, why is this worth my time? Hopefully your next few games will scratch that itch better. Um, for sure. Yeah, and you know, it is a shame when, you know, you're bored with the game and it's just not what you expected. Yeah, it's, it is a, it's a huge letdown. But, but I'm also looking for recommendations. And people can find me uh, at Wizard Benjamin on Twitter. They can go to my uh, BenjaminTheDreamWizard.com and there's a contact page. Tell me what you might want to see me play. Tell me what you think is a good game. And keep in mind that it's got to be at least maybe three or four years old at this point and not full price. <laughs> uh, more of you folks buy my books or, hey, if you want to buy me a game on Steam, I'm on Steam under it's just Benjamin the Dream Wizard. I'm waiting for, um, what's that? I think it's called Nair Automata about the two robot brother and sister and they go on a, they go on a mission. I want to play that one. It's still about 40 bucks. I got 40 bucks. I usually buy games when they're about $10 and they need to be old enough. They'll run on my machine, uh, that kind of thing. You know, hopefully someday these will all be resolved issues. I will have a dedicated streaming machine. I will have a top of the line gaming machine. I will have all the donations in the world to buy AAA games on day one. Today is not that day. So <laughs> right now I'm working through past. Speak, speaking of past stuff, just randomly crossed my mind. They did a remake, a very recent remake of Age of Empires 2, Age of Kings. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. I'm, I'm reliving my, you know, 
late 90s, early 2000s gaming days of uh, setting up just random generated maps against an enemy and sending my little peasants to go harvest gold and chop trees and building trebuchets and taking out castles. That's, yeah. a, that's a lot of fun. I, I did a stream of that uh, recently where I just messed around and rambled incoherently while I played the game. <laughs> oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, that'll, that'll bring back some yeah. memories. Have you ever played a Yumaniki? Yeah. No, I don't think I've ever heard of this. Start with a Y or a U? Y. Oh. So, y, gotcha. So it's Yumaniki. It's a Japanese for Dream Diaries. It's a retro game, right? It'll run on your machine. They recently remade no. it in 3D, which I think is like, I think, 20 bucks, but it becomes Ew. bundled with the original, or you, I think you can get the original for free. It actually, so I went to Steam to look it up, uh, and it says, games, th is this game relevant to you? Here are similar games you've played. Little Nightmares <laughs> shows right there. Yumaniki, uh, uh, Dream Diary. Sometimes I get a bit turned off with games that have weird graphics, or gra what am I trying to say? Where the gameplay isn't great this looks like a bit of a isomorphic third person yeah and, and a bit of a side scroller okay i'm checking it out it's weird i don't want to limit myself just to first person shooters but i do like that that is my most enjoyable format i like looking out of the character's eyes having a 3d world to explore in all dimensions some of the forced camera angle stuff does not appeal to me i would say um, are you looking at the remaster or the original I might be looking at the original. This says it was released in February of 2018. Uh, oh, no, that so that's the remaster. If you want to look that at... That is the remaster? That is the remaster. The original okay. was from the what, late 2000s. Okay. And here I find it's actually free. Yume Niki. Uh, and this one actually says it was released on January 9th of 2018. Okay, so that's, and, that must be the official release because it was freeware for, for the longest yeah. time. And yeah. it is free. You know what I'm going to do is I'm just going to... Install the game. Right. Go ahead Enjoy. and grab that now. We'll see if I actually we'll see if I actually get around to playing it. Uh, I know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. But you're saying it is worth it for the story. Yes. Okay. Or rather, Fair yeah. It's, uh, I guess not so much the plot, but definitely the world and yeah, the world and what the world tells you about the protagonist. It doesn't have a line of dialogue. Very, yeah. But it's it's all environmental storytelling. Before that was a thing, right? Before that was cool. Before there was a term for that. Very influential game, but also very obscure. Not a lot of people know about it. Creepy yeah. game, but well, not like do. in a jump scare way. And yeah. yeah, very trippy. Very very weird. Yeah. I also did add the game Stray, where you play the cat. I in love the, that. In the oh, I just finished that. I love that game. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. Well, it's overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam. And I, of course, take your word, take your recommendation very seriously as an experienced and a kindred spirit. I do want to play it. I got to wait a few years to get a better machine. But that's going to happen someday. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the genius of that game, like the best design decision they did for that game was add a dedicated meow button. Ah, that is very cool. You know, the funny thing about that is this is also part of being a wizard, a lot of random shit. Cats primarily meow to communicate with humans. Mm -hmm. Like they don't really meow to each other. They use body language, facial, in a way, facial expression or gesture. They use hissing and growling with each other. But usually if they're cool with you, they're quiet. If you're another cat, if you're in my space and I don't like it, you're going to, you're going to get some verbalization, but the meow and all the different varieties of meow primarily communicating with humans. Like they just don't meow at other cats. 
Very interesting. So was that a game mechanic? I don't think you're spoiling anything, but you can you meow to get the attention of someone or something to get them yeah, to interact with you. You can meow to like elicit reactions from yeah. Z's, or you could just meow That's just for the hell yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. A kid, why would you not? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. All right, Benjamin, I think we're coming up on the top of the hour. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, we can do this all day. <laughs> I know, right? And then maybe a part two at some point. Sure, absolutely. But in the meantime, I know you mentioned some of your socials and all that, but if you want to plug your pluggables again, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So one-stop shopping, literally, for everything. BenjaminTheDreamWizard.com. So you'll find audio, downloadable audio MP3 versions of every interview. You can take it on the go, take it to the gym, play it in your car on the way to work. That is it under the audio archive there. I'm working on a growing encyclopedia of historical terms and persons in the history of dreams and dreaming. Why are these people relevant? Did they have a famously quoted dream over multiple books? Or were they a person like Freud and Jung who contributed to the understanding of dreams? A big encyclopedia. Also, all 15 currently available works of historical dream literature are available there. It's got the Amazon links to each one. It's got a description. So you can pick and choose. And, and there's a couple of things that are, that are really cool. So the most recent book that you'll find it at the bottom of the list, but there's a two book set and a three book set that are in a way anthologies. So if you're looking for a broad swath of stuff that's too short to make a book by itself, but you get a lot of content. We've got the Oniro Chronologia a three-volume set, and you've got the history of the, whoa, I can't even remember the title. What is it called? The Literature and Curiosity of Dreams in a two-volume set, which talks about how dreams have been presented in literature and storytelling and what that tells us about the human experience of dreaming. All of that at BenjaminTheDreamWizard.com, and you can also reach out and be a guest. I'm easy to talk to. Most importantly, you, no one will ever see your interview without you your permission to release. I make that promise to every guest. This is a highly personal thing. If you think you're embarrassed by something, no one ever sees it. Uh, so you got nothing to lose. Reach out and say hi. I'm your friendly neighborhood dream wizard. <laughs> and as a recent guest, I can absolutely vouch for and co-sign everything Benjamin just said. Thank you very much. <laughs> of course. Thank you all for listening. To you. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and word both on your podcast app and at gameandword.substance.com you get a free gaming deep dive every single week until then ladies gentlemen non-binary folks everyone anyone in between benjamin the dream wizard thank you so much for coming on thank you it was a pleasure That's a wrap, folks. Thank you so much once again to our awesome guest, Benjamin the Dream Wizard, for such an awesome and quite magical conversation. As always, I will be linking Benjamin's info, including his socials, contacts, links to find his books, listen to his podcast, all of that jazz in the episode notes. As another reminder, we are giving away signed copies of the first two novels in the Warminster saga. To participate, Simply subscribe to Game & Word Substack at gameandword.substack.com by 11.59pm on March 31st this year to be automatically entered into the giveaway. Once again, I'd like to thank all of you for listening today, and especially 
Game Awards paid subscribers are keeping this whole publishing operation running, free, and available to all. And I especially want to shout out Game Awards' amazing founding members for making this and every other episode possible. They are Litakas from Luzern, Switzerland, member since April 14, 2022. Ella F. from San Diego, California, member since April 24, 2022. Alexi F. from Chicago, Illinois, member since May 13, 2022. Elvira O. from Querétaro, Mexico, member since May 18, 2022. John H. from Doral, Florida, member since March 3, 2023. And last but not least, I want to thank every single one of you for listening today. This publication, this newsletter, this podcast, none of it would be possible without you. So as always, you have my undying gratitude for your readership, for your listenership, for your support. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave it a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It is a great and free way to support this podcast and get it in front of more listeners. And of course, uh, feel free to share this episode with anyone you think would enjoy it. Once again, I'm Jay Rooney, and this has been another episode of the Game and Word podcast. Talk to you again next time. And in the meantime, keep leveling up your curiosity, knowledge, and wonder stats with Game and Word, the curious gaming publication where gaming meets humanity and a 2022 Substack-featured publication. I'll talk to you next time. Until then, stay curious, players. Abracadabra! Abracadabra!